Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files. After pressing the stop recording button for a recent Formosa Files episode on feline folktales, it was called Cats Big and Small, John and I kept talking about the subject of traditional Chinese stories. So we were chatting about how that story about the grand anti-tiger was so gruesome, so horrible, a mother, young girl getting eaten. And then I repeated my long-held assertion that almost all Chinese folktales are, if not outright horror stories, then at least not happy ones. And that includes the stories behind all of our major festivals, you know, the festivals we celebrate in Taiwan. And the word festival, I mean, it relates to celebrating and joyfulness. But if you look at the folktale origin stories associated with the ones we celebrate in Taiwan, this is pretty dark reading. And I called you on that. I said, I don't think that's quite right. That's right. You certainly did. So it was a repress the record button and bring it on. Let's go, John. All right. We'll start with Chinese New Year, which is a happy festival. Well, as happy as getting all your relatives and in-laws together can be. <laughs> it falls in late January or early February, and it's celebrating not quite the arrival of spring, but yeah, you can see the end of winter from there. Okay, but consider the origin. The story behind the firecrackers and the red color, such as the calligraphy scrolls on the front doors, right? According to ancient legends, Chinese New Year started because of a mythical beast called the Nian. The Nian monster would eat villagers, especially children, in the middle of the night. So the villagers discovered that the Nian monster was afraid of the color red and noise. So thus we get red scrolls on doors and, of course, noisy firecrackers and just uh, a lot of noise in general. Okay, that's a story with a, a rough start, but the monster was driven away. A happy ending. I'll argue that one's a draw. Hmm, okay then. Moving past spring, summer kicks off with Dragon Boat Festival. I won't argue that one. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on because, of course, that story is based on the suicide of an honest official called Chuyen, and uh, they were trying to stop his corpse from being eaten by fish, so the dragon boats were all racing out to... Not, not, not to save him, right? Uh, they're just <laughs> trying to stop the fish from uh, eating Chuyen's corpse. Yeah, I, I guess he was already dead or they knew that, but no, yeah, not to save him. And the rice dumplings, the zongzi, which people eat on Dragon Boat Day, they symbolize the food people threw in the water to uh, keep the fish uh, satisfied. Next up is Mid-Autumn Festival, also called Moon Festival, the 15th day of the 18th month of the Chinese calendar. Yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed you don't like to use the term lunar calendar. We've, we've gotten some people who write in and say, it's not Chinese calendar or Chinese New Year, it's the lunar calendar. That's right. I like to use the term Chinese calendar because it's not a lunar calendar. It's a lunisolar calendar regulated by both the sun and the moon. So a solar year and lunar months. And every few years, an extra month is added to keep things in sync, like we do with uh, adding a day to February every four years. Right. If we were translating directly from Chinese, Nongli, uh, it would be farmer's calendar or farming calendar. 
Mm. But anyway, uh, mid-autumn festival, mm, barbecue, mooncakes, the beautiful bright moon. And here in hot Taiwan, it marks the end of summer. And uh, as many people might already know, barbecuing is not some ancient Chinese tradition. It's a relatively modern addition to Taiwan, and only in Taiwan that I'm aware of for, for Moon Festival. Started back in the 1980s, as I recall, there was some commercial that was connected to barbecuing during the Moon Festival, and then it kind of took off and became a tradition. But mooncakes, they go way back and have a happy story attached to them. They were used to spread the word for rebellions against the Mongol Yuan dynasty. Bring on the glorious Ming. Right, and that's interesting. Rebellions are, however, quite bloody by their very nature. But I won't argue because I guess this story is a bit of a sideshow. It's not the origin story of the festival. The Mid-Autumn Festival is based on the legend of Chang'er, the moon goddess. And the story goes something like this. In ancient times, ten suns had risen together into the sky and scorched the earth. An archer called Ho Yi shot down nine of them, leaving just one son. As a reward, he was given two elixirs of immortality. He did not consume the elixirs straight away, but let Chang'er keep them with her, as he did not want to gain immortality without his beloved wife. However, while Ho Yi went out hunting, his apprentice broke into his house and tried to force Chang'er to give the elixirs to him. She took them instead of handing them over. Then Chang'er flew upward towards the heavens, choosing the moon as a residence, as she loved her husband and hoped to live nearby him. Hoi discovered what had happened, felt guilty, and killed himself. I've misremembered that one. I thought it was like the Chinese Valentine story, uh, separation, uh, but not suicide. Oh, no, 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 definitely some, some suicide. Uh, but speaking of Chinese Valentine's Day, you jumped over that as it's not actually a public holiday. The seventh day of the seventh lunar month. It's based on the tale of the cowherd and the weaver. It's kind of happy. Uh, nobody dies. Yeah, but it's mostly sad. The two lovers, the cowherd and the weaver girl, only get to meet once a year. On the seventh day of the seventh lunar month, a flock of magpies form a bridge to reunite the lovers for a single day. It's sad. Could be worse. Yeah, I'm obviously dealing with a glass half-empty kind of guy here. I'll, I'll leave it up to listeners to decide. Definitely glass half-empty. Uh, and you skipped over a traditional festival, one that is a public holiday, April 5th. Qingmingjie. Mm, Qingming Festival. Usually translated as Tomb Sweeping Day. Uh, yeah, it's a good day. Respectful veneration of one's ancestors. Uh, remembrance of deceased family members. Yeah. So people will go to the graves of deceased family members and uh, clean up the gravestones and surrounding area, make offerings. The historical story associated with this festival is absolutely fascinating. So over two and a half thousand years ago, before China was even a, a thing. Before China was a thing? <laughs> well, I mean, before it was a unified nation. So if you want to be more historical, it's a time of feudal states called the spring and autumn period. Right, so roughly the time of Confucius and Lao Tzu, okay. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, the story goes as follows. There was a virtuous aristocrat and official called Jie Zutui. His master, a prince of Jin, was forced into exile. Jin is one of these feudal states. The prince was almost starving to death when Jie Zutui cut a piece of flesh from his leg and gave it to his master. So this prince of Jin eventually prevailed, claimed the throne, and became Duke Wen of Jin. 
and he handed out titles and territory to all the subjects who had been loyal. But he told his faithful servant who served him his own meat, I'll never forget about you, but as soon as he became Duke, he promptly forgot about him. He's forgotten to reward the guy who saved his life by giving him his own flesh to eat. Seems a bit ungrateful. Very much so. But when this fact was brought to the attention of now Duke Wen, he sought to rectify this oversight. However, Jie Zhutui was now living in isolation on a mountain with his mother. So Duke Wen summons his faithful official to reward him, but Jie declined the order. So he needs some encouragement to come out of the mountains. <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry to laugh, but it's just ridiculous. The Duke orders fires to be lit in the forest to drive him out. Like, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how to put this. Things escalated quickly. Uh, perhaps the phrase things got out of hand comes to mind because the mountain became a deadly inferno, which is what happens when you set forests on fire, right? <laughs> and then it takes three days for the fires to stop. And what becomes of the faithful yet stubborn Jia, the, the guy who served part of his leg to his master? Well, his scorched body was found hugging a willow tree. His scorched body wrapped around a willow tree. Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. It's worse. It gets worse. His burnt body was found wrapped around a willow tree with his equally incinerated mother on his back. Mm. So Duke Wen expresses remorse, something like, oh, perhaps uh, that could have been handled better. Uh, no, no kidding. So he's, he's like, to set things straight, I will make this a day of remembrance and will prohibit people from eating hot food on this day. So even today, the festival food for Qingming Festival, the Qingmingjie, the spring roll, is notable for not being hot food. Okay, Eric, uh, <laughs> I give up. No more. I concede defeat. Uh, these are not happy stories. There's no coming back from that, cutting off your own flesh to save someone's life and then getting burnt alive with your, your, your mother on your back as, as a reward. Um, I don't know how I missed that one, uh, how I haven't come across that story before. Qingming Festival will never be quite the same for me again. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I think that's probably the reason you haven't heard about it and many people haven't heard about it. The story is just too horrible to tell. Okay, so John is grabbing a book. Uh, I don't know where he's going with this. Uh, what's that book? Yep. Okay, Eric, I've got something special for you. I have a book here, a Republic of China yearbook, published in 1991 by Taiwan's Government Information Office. Okay, this book lays out the holidays for 1991 and 1992. I want to run some of Taiwan's public holidays past you not to judge the level of happiness of their origin stories, but just to see if you know what they are. I'll give a calendar date and you tell me the name. Okay, so are all of these current public holidays? Some of them. Okay, fire away. Let's do a run through the year, starting off with an easy one. January 1st. What public holiday is January 1st? Well, nowadays, of course, it's called New Year's Day, but I think this is a trick question, not as easy as you said, because it's also the founding day of the Republic of China, and that's what the day used to be called. Well done. Yep. January 1st, founding day of the Republic of China, which started back in 1912. So basically, uh, a New Year's Day with some patriotic parades and speeches thrown in. Okay, next up, March 8th. March 8th. Okay, I'm lost. Um, obviously, that we don't have a day off for that one now. Correct. It's Women's Day. 
the, the book says it has been observed in the ROC since 1924. Hmm, Women's Day since 1924. I, I didn't realize how progressive we were. And here's another public holiday. Well, it was back in the early 1990s, March 29th. March 29th, I pass. Okay, Youth Day. It commemorates the revolutionary action of youth in the city of Canton, today known as Guangzhou, back in 1911. During this Canton uprising, 72 young revolutionaries died. I think this was the 10th uprising against the, the Manchu rulers uh, at that time. Yeah, the 10th uprising. It took quite a few. It was the next one, the 11th one, on October 10th in Wuchang, modern-day Wuhan, which would finally topple Qing rule and bring millennia of dynastic rule to an end. And that's why we celebrate a Double Ten Day. Yes, but you're jumping ahead. The next public holiday is April 4th. Okay, that one I know. Um, it's called Children's Day, but basically it's just an extra day for tomb-sweeping holidays so you can have like a, a longer weekend. Right. The following day, April 5th, uh, we've, well, yeah, you've just answered uh, that one. Mm. It's tomb-sweeping day and also Chiang Kai-shek's death in 1975. Good. Uh, okay, how about May 1st? May 1st is Labor Day. But uh, in Taiwan, this is only for workers. If you're not a blue-collar worker, you don't get the day off. Yes, just a holiday for some, like Armed Forces Day uh, on September 3rd. All right, the next public holiday with a fixed date is September 28th. September 28th would commemorate Confucius's birthday, so it's Teacher's Day. Confucius mm -hmm. was born like uh, 2,500 years ago, and he's considered China's greatest teacher. There's... Confucius temples all around Taiwan. And on that day, there are quite elaborate ceremonies held at those temples. People dress up in traditional clothes and play ancient musical instruments, and various uh, Confucian-related rites are held. I think this takes place pretty early in the morning, about 6 a.m. Does that sound right? Uh, sounds right, but I've not been to one of uh, those memorial ceremonies. Yeah, a little too early for us, perhaps. And another reason maybe why we've never been to one of those is, you know, unlike children who actually get a day off for Children's Day, teachers, which pretty much every expat in Taiwan has been at some point in their career, we teachers no longer get a day off on Teacher's Day. Who wants to get up at five when you, you've got a hard day's... Ugh. Anyway, what's yeah. our next public holiday? I, I, my rant is October over. October 10th, <laughs> which you mentioned earlier. Okay, October 10th, known as Double Ten or Double Tenth Day. It's the national day of the Republic of China, not the birthday of Taiwan, as I've heard some people say. It celebrates the overthrow of the Qing dynasty in China. October is a nice month here, cooler temperatures. And uh, yeah, a couple of weeks later, after a Double Tenth, we have, or in this case, had a public holiday, October 25th. Yeah. Back when I was a kid in Taiwan, uh, October was a great month. So many holidays. October 25th was Taiwan Retrocession Day, also called Taiwan Restoration Day, Guangfujie, the formal surrender of the Japanese back in 1945. Both those words, retrocession and restoration, have a re, a re in common, right? Mm. Uh, retrocession to hand territory back to a country or government and restoration, re returning something to a former owner, place or condition. Right. But technically, there was no return to the Republic of China because the Republic of China didn't exist back in 1895. Correct. 
Just six days later, and it's time for another public holiday, October 31st. Mm, a super easy one to remember, October 31st. Yes, it is Halloween in the U.S. and increasingly uh, many other places. But yeah. back in the day, we celebrated October 31st because that is John Kaishek's birthday. Yep, born on Halloween back in 1887. 1887. That was the same year Taiwan was upgraded from a prefecture of Fujian to a, to a province. A memorable year in China, too. The 1887 Yellow River Flood, which began in September, killed at least a million people. Okay, we move into November, a pleasant month here, lovely weather, cool at night, and warm, sunny days. The particular day in question is November 12th. November 12th. Uh, I'm stumped. Whatever it is, though, it's not a public holiday today. That's right. Sun Yat-sen's birthday. Uh, um. He was born back in 1866 in Guangdong province. And this day is doing triple duty. My 1991 yearbook tells me it's also Doctor's Day and Cultural Renaissance Day. Okay. Sun Yat-sen's birthday, Doctor's Day, and that last one, Cultural Renaissance Day. The Cultural Renaissance Movement was the KMT's response to the Cultural Revolution happening over in China in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So Sun Yat-sen had to share his birthday with doctors. Uh, fitting, because that's what he started out training for. And anyway, it's not bad a country celebrating your birthday when you uh, never lived in that country. Mm-hmm. But uh, we should explain, in case uh, some people aren't familiar, so Sun Yat-sen is considered the father of modern China, and he was an important figure in overthrowing the Qing dynasty. He was also the founding leader of the Nationalist Party, which today in Taiwan is the, the KMT, still the, the Chinese Nationalist Party. And he was the first provisional president of the Republic of China, although his reign was rather uh, short, uh, 1911 to 1912. And he later served as a kind of de facto ruler from 1923 to his death in 1925. Mm -hmm. So his first failed uprising attempt in 1895 led to years of exile abroad for Dr. Sun Yat-sen, where he tried to get support for his political schemes. And interestingly, among the places he tried to find support was Japanese-ruled Formosa. He visited several times, very briefly, except for his first visit in 1900. Actually, he came here on September 28th, Teacher's Day. 1900. Okay, so that was the time of the Boxer Rebellion in northern China. The anti-foreign, uh, anti-Christian society of Chinese peasants who wanted to drive out the foreigners called the Boxers. And there was that long siege of the foreign legations in Peking. It ended badly for the Boxers. An allied army of eight powers, including Japan, America, and Britain, all came to the rescue. This was an ideal moment for Sun Yat-sen to launch an uprising in the south of China. And he was in Taiwan with a plan. He had talks with the Japanese governor general of Taiwan. The plan was for Sun's supporters to kick off a revolt and the Japanese to assist them militarily and then sponsor uh, the new republic in the, the southeast of China. The Japanese would invade mainland China from Taiwan. Yeah, so the governor general here in Formosa was an enthusiastic supporter of that plan, but Tokyo ultimately rejected it. In fact, there was a fight over this in the Japanese cabinet in Tokyo with the anti-war faction winning, and this was in October. 
So Taiwan was not to give revolutionaries any military help. And the Japanese prime minister told the governor general, no further contact with these revolutionaries. But Sun went ahead with his plan anyway, from a distance, but without Japanese troops, arms and ammunition, and the uprising collapsed. Sun left Taiwan in November, returning to Japan, which was his main residence at that time. It's interesting to think about this for a second. A couple of months in Taiwan and for a failed uprising, but even today, his image is everywhere. There are actual legal requirements for portraits of Sun Yat-sen, the nation's founding father, right, to be on display in all government departments, schools. And there's a very large portrait of Dr. Sun in the main legislative chamber, among many other places. And when politicians take office in Taiwan, be they legislators or mayors, during the swearing-in ceremony, they stand there and raise their arm and make their pledge before an ROC flag and a Sun Yat-sen portrait. Yes, and the main roads in Taiwan are called Zhongsan, another way to say Sun Yat-sen. Anyway, time to say goodbye to Dr. Sun. Our next public holiday in 1991, at least, the 25th of December. Ah, December 25th, the day when foreign teachers in Taiwan have to dress up in Santa outfits. If they can fit into the costumes. <laughs> okay. But actually, this was Christmas under the guise of Constitution Day. Yes. The Constitution went into effect on December 25th in 1947. And there are some people who suspect this was kind of just a sneaky way of getting Christmas made a holiday. After all, Madame Chiang Kai-shek was a Christian, a, a devout Methodist, and with her influence, Chiang Kai-shek also became a Christian. As we've explained, some of these public holidays are no more. It's not so much a case of changing political times of localization. For example, getting rid of Sun Yat-sen, uh, someone who had little to do with Taiwan. As we've said, he's still a big fixture here. And it's not a matter of old holidays being replaced by new holidays like 228, February 28, remembering those killed in 1947. So what happened to all those holidays that we just talked about that are no longer days off? Well, in short, they were killed by Saturdays. Killed by Saturdays, yeah. I think it was back in 2000, 2001, Taiwan moved into the new millennium that began a process of changing to a five-day work week and five-day school week. People got Saturdays, alternate Saturdays at first off, but they lost seven national holidays in 2001 as part of the move to this five-day week. Yeah, and the seven national holidays that disappeared were January 2nd, it was an extension of the New Year's Day holiday, March 29th, or Youth Day, September 28th, Teacher's Day, October 25th, Taiwan Retrocession Day, October 31st, Chiang Kai-shek's birthday, November 12th, Sun Yat-sen's birthday, and December 25th, Constitution Day, or Christmas. But the shift to a shorter working week was uneven. I mean, different for different groups. It was a long, drawn-out process, starting with civil servants, and then finally workers about 15 years later. Yeah, it's been really nice that it's finally kicked in. Many people now get two days off per week. So, John, we've gone through the year for public holidays back uh, from your book there from the early 1990s. Does the yearbook you're using have any mention of January 23rd? Remember the 123 Freedom Day? 
That day celebrated the repatriation of Chinese POWs and the Korean War to Taiwan. We, we covered this story in two episodes earlier in season two. No, surprisingly not. One, two, three, Freedom Day, no mention of it. Perhaps a sign of better relations with the PRC at that time? I don't know. However, there, there are some other holidays, not public holidays, but of interest. Here's a good example. June 3rd, Opium Suppression Movement Day. Quoting from the yearbook, This day has been observed since 1930 in commemoration of the burning of imported opium in 1839 during the Opium War against the British. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of curious as to how one celebrates opium suppression. Um, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Perhaps destroy opium, uh, burn it, yeah? <laughs> While making sure not to stand too close to the fumes, of course. Another date that was commemorated uh, still is. April 29th, Koxinga's landing near Tainan back in 1661. I recall President Tsai Ing-wen downgrading that holiday in 2016 when she took office. Yeah, something like government officials not attending the ceremony and just uh, handing over those duties to the local Tainan city government. Hmm. So, Eric, we've covered some lost holidays today. If we were going to add a new public holiday, uh, any dates, events, people in mind? A new public holiday. Uh, my birthday. <laughs> mm. I, I think you ask because you have something in mind. Yes. Raise the tiger flag, my friend. It's the proclaiming of the Republic of Formosa on the 23rd of May, 1895. Okay, I'm down. I, I, I like that flag. And then we need a day off in November or December. There are no public holidays uh, during those months. Yeah, that's a good idea. We don't have time to brainstorm one right now. We've run out of time. And we hope we haven't spoiled any of the uh, traditional holidays for you by telling you their uh, rather nasty backstories. But anyway, uh, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Formosa Files. Thanks for listening. I'm Eric Michael Smith. Spring rolls will never taste the same. <laughs> I'm John Ross. Bye. <laughs>